Let's stand together. We're going to worship. You can sing really loud because there's no one around you and they won't hear how bad you sing, right? Here we go. Let's come alive. I was lost with a broken heart. You picked me up, now I'm set apart. From the ash, I am born again. Forever safe in the Savior's hand. You are more than most can say. I follow you, Lord, for all my days. Fix my eyes, following the ways. River free and unending grace. are nice and alive this morning. I love it. There's some good energy here. You know what? 
Now this next song probably is one of the most well-known songs around the world. But I'm telling you, we're celebrating his love and his grace today. And my prayer for all of us is that we've experienced this love. We just don't sing the words, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, but we have actually lived those words. We understand what it means to experience his grace. If you don't know that today, before you leave today, you can know him. You can experience his love. Let's sing about his amazing grace. All these pieces broken and scattered. 
here with us right now, but even more, Lord, we thank you for that amazing grace that so many of us here have testified to, Lord, this morning. We know what it means to be lost and to be found by you. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to share here this morning, to lift you up and to say, God, thank you for laying yourself down so that we could experience the most incredible love the most incredible grace known to mankind. And so, Father, we give this time to you. Father, I pray that each one of us will have an open heart to your word, no matter how long we've been a believer, if it was yesterday or if it's been 50 years, Lord, that we would have a heart that's turned toward you, that we would be receptive, have a spirit of receiving, that we can hear from you in the midst of this place. And so, Father, we give you all the glory. I thank you for every person that's here, all the children, the students, those online, God, those that are worshiping you around the world today, God. We lift you up. We give you the glory for what you have done for us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. You can be seated. i got to tell you, what an honor it is to lead people before the throne of grace. My grandpap used to always say that. He'd say, Father, we come to you before the throne of grace. And it's an honor. I just got to say this morning, we pray together in the booth. And usually we call on somebody to pray or I pray. And I said, Jackson, he just turned 12. And I said, would you pray? And he just prayed. What an honor to lead people before the throne of grace. And I see my my uh, date that I'm going to get to dance with, Todd, at Night to Shine. Yeah. I'll tell you about that in a minute, but here's Buddy. Hey, good morning. Welcome to church. We're glad that you're here today. Rain and all, and you're here. We're glad you're here. Hey, we had an incredible weekend last weekend. We had uh, between five and 600 students in this building from Friday evening, about Friday afternoon, about 2 o'clock until Sunday at 1030. We had a great, great weekend. Is over uh, like uh, 23 uh, students made first-time commitments to Jesus Christ. I would tell you, when you think young people are not interested in the things of God, I can assure you, after being here last weekend, that they're interested in the things of God. So I say all that <clears throat> to say to you, thank you for your faithful giving. It's because you give week in, week out with your tithes and your offerings that we're able to do things like that. You know, uh, 600 kids uh, in a building over a weekend uh, cost a lot of money, uh, but it was well worth it all. And, uh, you know, when I think about that, think of all the toilet paper for 600 students in a weekend. That's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of everything. You know, water and, and electricity and this and that and the other, but I got to tell you, uh, to know that 23 kids for the first time gave their life to Christ, many of them took spiritual uh, steps to grow in their spiritual life. Uh, Trent and his team did a great job leading that, and uh, all of our volunteers from Salem Fields, uh, they're already booked to come back next year, and we're already excited about it. And uh, so I say all that to say thank you for your giving. And uh, last week we weekend was a great weekend. I got to tell you, financially, it was a flop. 
And so if you weren't here last weekend, if you could give a little extra or give what you would have gave last weekend and this week too, it would really, really help us this week. But uh, anyway, you can give this way uh, on our app. You can give cash or check. You can have it taken out of your check and you can go out to the giving kiosk and give with a debit or credit card. Hey, it's secure giving now. You can use your chip. Uh, so, you know, uh, some of you say, well, I'm not giving on that thing because it's not secure. It is now. So you can give until, um, anyway, give. <laughs> but do it cheerfully and do it with a cheerful heart and God will bless you and thank you for that. Thank you, buddy. This is a good time for you to pull out your phone and check into Salem Fields. Tell your friends that you're here. It's a great place to be. Um, yeah, so I've got another reason for you to pull out your phone. If you'd pull out your phone, even if you don't want to check in, what I'd like you to do, what we'd love for you to do, is set your alarm for 4.01 every day. Now, what's 4.01? Easter. Yes, it's on April Fool's Day. Isn't that interesting? Uh, we're going to celebrate Jesus' resurrection on April Fool's Day. We're no fool. <laughs> but um, 401, that is uh, the date. And if you would pray every time your alarm goes off, I was riding down 208 uh, yesterday with my top down, of course. And uh, Rich said, I do need to tell people I have a convertible. He said, one day I said, I had my top down and I didn't care what people thought. <laughs> and that was true. But he said, maybe you better clarify that. So I had my top down. It was only 44. That was a nice warm day. And my alarm went off at 4.01. So I turned my 60s off. And I listened to Bones because that's my alarm. That's the song that goes off. You can take these dry bones and make me alive. And so I just began to pray for Easter, that people would be drawn to Jesus, that people would be drawn to Salem Fields and other churches, that people would be drawn to know Jesus and to find real hope. And that's for anyone everywhere. And I'll tell you, I had a really, really nice prayer time right there as I was driving down the road. So if you would do that, I did that for, for winter retreat. Uh, 8.18 was the, the time that it went off every day. And uh, when it went off, I would just pray for winter retreat. And let me tell you, when I saw those students here, and I knew that I had been part of praying for what happened here, it was awesome. So I can tell you this, if you pray 401, and then you come on Easter, and you invite your friends, and you watch what God does, you will know that you're connected to what God is doing, and you're a kingdom builder. That's awesome. Seems kind of small, but it's huge. So set your alarm, 401, and uh, pray when that goes off. Night to Shine is coming up. This is exciting. It's Tim Tebow's time to celebrate uh, guests that will be coming here. And uh, if you volunteered for that there, well, I guess the meeting is over now, but there's a mandatory meeting on Tuesday evening for an orientation. If you're a volunteer, go to the webpage, salemfields.com slash night to shine. This is a time, it's a prom, and uh, we're going to have lots of guests, and that has filled up. However, we still need buddies uh, for the guests that will be here, especially male buddies. Uh, we would appreciate if you would, uh, if you have it in your heart to, be, to volunteer and be part of that event, I don't think that you'll be sorry. It's going to be an incredible time. And uh, so we have the meeting, we have the, the buddies. I think that's it for Night to Shine. It's going to be a great time. Uh, work as Worship is a simulcast that's coming up. Uh, wouldn't it be great if you truly lived worshiping 
24-7. Now, this is a way that it's going to be a simulcast on February 23rd from 8 until 4. And uh, I would encourage you to do whatever it takes to come to this because it's really about allowing our life to, be, to worship and not looking at our work as something that we go do and then we come back and worship. It's really our opportunity to share uh, who we are and what God's done in our lives. So I would encourage you to come to that. Also, celebration service is tonight, celebration service. You tell me what celebration service is. What do we do at celebration service? Baptize. Yes, we have baptisms, baby dedications, communion, the Lord's Supper, testimonies. Yes, this is a time tonight, starting at 6 o'clock, that shows the evidence that God is alive. Uh, baptism is, is an outward expression of an inward faith, and we'll see that happen. We'll worship together. Uh, we'll hear testimonies of people saying, this is what God's done in my life. We'll share the Lord's Supper together. So be here tonight. It's one of the most exciting services that we have. If you would like to be baptized or, you know, someone that would like to have their baby dedicated, just let us know about that. Go to the Information Center, or you can put it on your connection card as well. Now, today we're going to continue our uh, Fixer Upper series, but he's going to pick that back up. He's going to talk to us. Uh, sometimes we need a fixer upper in our finances, and he's going to talk about that today. But I just want to share with you today, as I was singing that Amazing Grace song, I thought back to my freshman year of college. I was out of control. I can tell you, I had drifted completely out of control away from God. And it's amazing how God still sees you and he still loves you. And my freshman year was just out of control. And uh, my sophomore year, I just happened to get a roommate that uh, loved Jesus. Imagine that. And you know what? She did, not, she did not judge me or criticize me for the things that I was doing in my life. She just kind of lived that out before me because it was real. She wasn't trying to convert me. She was just living her faith in Jesus. And I said, there's something special about that. How many people here remember a person in your life that was instrumental for you accepting Jesus Christ? We thought about having a Sunday and inviting those people. Well, my people is here today. Cheryl and Ben, would you guys stand up? She got an incredible husband, but she was my sophomore year roommate in college. And Cheryl, you just stand up for a second. I want to tell you that part of living out your faith before me, you share in all this. Do you understand how important it is? Do you understand how important it is to live your faith out before other people? You have no idea the eternal difference that will be made because of your simple faith. That's big. That's big. She didn't do that for the reward. She did it because she loved Jesus. And as a result of that, that was the year at 18 years old that I gave my life to Jesus Christ and accepted him as my personal savior and went on to say, buddy, we need to get back into church. And then we had our little girl, and we just got involved in church. We began tithing. We began, began working with students. And we never dreamed that today this would be happening. That's what God can do when you simply live out your faith before somebody that's out of control.
Now, this next song, we're going to take our tithes and offering, and I think it's very fitting because it says it was at the, a point in my life where I said, God, I wanted to be in control of my life, but now I give you control. Listen to this.
Good morning again. Glad you guys are here. You know, that song is really the key to living a debt-free life. It's just letting go and let God have control and do it his way. And uh, it makes life so much easier. But somehow, because of our human nature, we kind of fight that. We kind of want our own way and we want to do our own thing. But if I could just learn to open my hands up in those situations and let God be in control, it would make life much simpler. But I'm really glad you're here today and, and um, to be a part of this series, Fixer Up. You know, we live in a crazy country. You know that, right? Man, it's crazy. The Associated Press uh, carried a story uh, a while back about a woman who tried to hold up a bank. Her weapon, uh, a device that she said controlled a bomb in her car. And she was brandishing her innovative weapon. The woman demanded money from the three tell tellers at a bank branch in Bowling Green, Ohio. Supposedly, this is a true story. Suddenly, uh, the tellers realized that the device she was waving in their faces was not a remote control for a bomb at all. It was a garage door opener. Now, I think the first clue that the sheriff said was when they saw Sears on the end of the garage door opener. After the tellers realized her weapon was what her weapon was, they forced her to, to the floor, and they sat on her or sat on her until uh, the police arrived, and the woman was charged with unarmed bank robbery. You know, not only do we live in a crazy country, but people do crazy thing, do crazy things where money is concerned, don't we? I mean, we do some crazy things when it comes to money, but. You know, really, it's no wonder because we live in a money-crazed age. If we don't have it, we're thinking about how we can get it. If we do have it, uh, uh, if we do have it, we're consumed with how to keep it. And when we have it, we're always thinking about how we can get more. You know, we live in a culture based on instant gratification. Buy now, pay later. Now, of course, this causes enormous problems, not only in our culture, but it causes enormous problems in our individual families and in our individual lives. Do you know that consumer debt in November of last year, consumer debt in America stood at $3.8 trillion, $3.8 trillion. I can't wrap my mind around that many zeros. You know, that, that's not what the government owes. That's what you and I owe. Americans own more, owe more than $1 trillion uh, in credit card debt, $1 trillion. Now, that's greater than the gross domestic product of all but 15 countries in the world. 
And when it comes to individual household, the average household owes $8,377 on credit cards. Now, that's all the way from uh, Gay and I who have no debt on credit card to, you know, however much debt people have on their credit card. That's the average. So, so it's no wonder that our lives are filled with so much stress. You know, money and the stress that cause, comes along with money is one of the leading causes of divorce in America. It's one of the top five things, uh, last I checked, was number two, leading cause of divorce. Uh, and it causes us uh, uh, to uh, need a financial fixer-upper. We're continuing our series that Gay laid the foundation for last week called Fixer-Upper. This series was inspired by HGTV's hit home renovation show called Fixer-Upper with stars Chip and Joanna, Joanna Gaines. Now, when I don't know much about the show, I don't watch it very often, uh, maybe see bits and pieces of it, but I did watch a whole show this week so I could kind of be in tune with what it was all about. And, uh, but I read this week where uh, Chip and Joanna started out their marriage and they were broke. I mean, they came home from their honeymoon and they had no money. They had to move in a house that they had uh, acquired as a fixer-upper, and it wasn't a very good house. And, um, and, and so when, when they got married and started out, they were in need of a fixer-upper, a financial fixer-upper themselves. But instead of filing bankruptcy, which is the world's way of doing things, the couple dug themselves out of debt, and the pair now run Magnolia Homes, a real estate renovation and design company, and they transform rundown properties into character-rich homes for families in Waco, Texas. Now, for many people, gay included, she said last week, the most exciting, exciting part of the TV show Fixer Upper is the last few minutes called The Reveal. Now, if that's your favorite part, why don't you just record it, fast forward, and watch The Reveal. Uh, but the last few minutes called the reveals were the results of all the time and all the effort and all the creativity and, uh, uh, that went into renovating a once worn out, rundown home. And that's where they take that after it's been renovated and at the great big reveal, they put it on display. And, and the producers, they show the stark difference between the before and after. They'll use a split screen, and, uh, you know, and uh, first of all, they'll put that big thing up in front of the house and then they'll slide it open. They go, <laughs> they do all that. And, <laughs> and then, then they go in and they see the rooms and they cry and uh, the before and after. But you know, long before the big reveal, there's a lot that's got to happen first. I mean, like they, they have to find just the right house. And so on this particular show, they looked at three houses. <clears throat> And uh, they, uh, they, so they had to find the house that really, the land, the property, the area, the location, all those things, they had to find just the right place for the owners. And, and then they uh, have to find a place that not only is the right place, but that it fits in their budget. Watch this. Either of you guys tree climbers? Yeah, I mean, I just saw the twinkle in his eye when he saw that tree. Yeah. So I got a little nervous. You guys kind of step back a little bit. Sometimes this can get a bit... A bit tricky. Oh. oh my gosh. Joe. Joe. Go, Chip. Use your abs. Come on. Hold on, babe. I really do. Baby, come here. I need you to push me. Joey, I'm going to move this way, and you've just got to push my hips. It's Go. more my hip. Lower. Go. 
That feels good. So she wins, babe. <laughs> Holy moly. I don't know if it was worth all that. Start working out. Wow. <laughs> I did show my age a bit today. I'll admit that. It wasn't my. I wasn't on my A game. <laughs> Okay, so we're calling at the schoolhouse. It's four bedrooms, two and a half bath. They're asking $171,000, and with you guys all in budget of 235, that still leaves you with 64 grand. Now, most of that's gonna go towards taking down these walls and opening up this floor plan, adding a formal entry, updating that fireplace, and expanding and renovating the kitchen. Yeah, I'm it's nervous a lot about house. the money, okay. but it's a good contender. Okay, okay. cool. There's so many pros and cons to each house. And so I think for us, it's a matter of prioritizing, really figuring out what are our top priorities, what are non-negotiables for us, and then making a decision from there. You know, really, that in our spending, we have to figure out our priorities, and, and we have to figure out what are non-negotiables when it comes to our finances. She said a, a, a mouth load uh, there when she said that. You see, these homeowners, they have a vision for what they want. I mean, they kind of know what they want. They have a, a vision for what they want their home to look like at the time of the big reveal. And I suspect that many of you have, if you are experiencing debt or even not, you, maybe you have a vision of what life could be like. I mean, maybe for years you've experienced this debt that's just kept you from living the kind of life you want to live. And, and maybe you have a vision of what life could be like if you could just be free financially. That, that you, would, you had this vision of what the great reveal would look like after a couple years of, of uh, working to get your financial fixer-upper. But just as on the show, you know, you, you, they have a plan and, and they have a budget. And, and so you need a plan. If you're going to be financially free, you need a, a, a kit. To, uh, uh, you, maybe you need tools to realize your financial freedom to realize your vision for life and what it would be like if I didn't have this tremendous debt in my life. And you know, we have all that right here. We have everything we need for a financial fixer-upper right here in the Word of God. You'll find it all. You'll find in this Bible God's principles for handling money. It also contains a blueprint for renovating our financial house or just helping us get back on track. No matter where you find yourself at financially today, I hope this message will help you catch a vision for the beautiful reveal of what life is like when we're living by God's word, when we're following God's way of handling money, when we're not so hooked in to how the culture says we are to live uh, and spend our money, but we're hooked into how God and his plan for us financially, that, that you could catch a vision of what life could really be like when we let go and when we trust God and we follow his plan, not only for our finances, but we follow God's plan for our life, that we totally surrender who we are and everything we want to be and we surrender that to God and say, God, here I am, use me. There is no better place to be in life when God calls you to do something that you're able to do that and you're not limited by the finances in your life that you can do what God wants you to do and there's no better place to live than doing exactly what God has for you in your life. But before we look at God's blueprint for a financial fixer-upper, I want to give you a few signs that you may be in need of a financial fixer-upper. Now, Gabe told me last night I had a little edge, so I'm trying to get that edge off, okay? 
<laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know how to get a dead jaw. <laughs> oh, whew, breathe. But anyway, here we go. The first one is living on credit instead of paying cash. If, you may be in need of a financial fixer-upper if you're living on credit instead of paying cash. Now, uh, now, I'm not talking about, you know, putting your expenses on your credit card and at the end of the month paying it off. That's a great way to get airline miles. But anyway, <laughs> if you depend on credit to maintain your lifestyle, then you're spending too much. Studies tell us that, that if you go into a department store and you use a credit card instead of cash, that you'll normally spend 23% more with a credit card than you do if you pay cash. That's huge. You know, because you're not forking out that cash, you're just pulling out that card. If you have, if you have to use credit cards to, main your li to maintain your lifestyle, you need a fixer-up. Uh, upper Proverbs says, don't withhold repayments of your debts. Don't say some other time if you can pay now. So pay now, not later. And if you're not doing that, then maybe you're in need of a financial fixer-upper. Another sign that you may need a financial fixer-upper is delaying payments or paying the minimum due. Now, that's a telltale sign that you need a financial fixer-upper. If you're missing payments, if you're making late payments, if you're paying the minimum due on the credit card instead of paying it off every month, if you find yourself bouncing checks because of insufficient funds, then you need a financial fixer-up, fixer-upper. The Bible says in Romans 13, 8, let no debt remain outstanding. And then the next thing uh, that we see a sign that you may need a financial fixer-upper, I got the edge off, right? Yeah, okay, I'm just, hey, I'm loose. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, unable to tithe or save money. If you're not saving money, if you're not tithing, then you're spending too much money. You see, God takes this very seriously. In Malachi 3.8, he says, will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you, God? And he says in tithes and offerings. If you're not tithing, the Bible says that we're robbing God. If I'm robbing God, how do I expect him to bless my finances? You know, we'll say, oh, God, help me get out of debt, help me get out of debt. And God says, hey, I, I, I'll help you. But first you got to quit robbing me. And he says that, uh, that how, I mean, I'm thinking, how can we ask God to bless our finances if we're not giving God back what is rightfully his? If you're not saving any money, if you're not tithing, you're spending too much, and it's a sign that you need a financial fixer-upper. If you're unable to meet your family's basic needs, what are the basic needs of a family? Food, clothes. Y'all notice I say food first. <laughs> food and shelter. What else? Clothing. What else? Huh? TV? <laughs> Gas, fuel. Medical insurance, maybe, at least some kind of medical savings. You know, if, if you're not doing that, you're, you're living, you're creating, it's causing you anxiety, and it, and it creates this insecurity in your home and your children. And it's a sign you need a financial fixer-up. The final one, and I could name many of them, but the final one is looking for, uh, for get-rich-quick ideas. Now, if you're always looking to get rich quick, it means you're either in debt or, uh, or you're trying to get out of debt. The Bible says, have nothing to do with get-rich-quick schemes. That's hard to say, get-rich-quick schemes. 
Proverbs says this, steady, steady plotting brings prosperity. Hasty speculation brings poverty. You know, when you're debt, you're really, in a, you're really uh, right for a, a scam, a ripoff. You're really, you know, somebody comes along with something that sounds too good to be true. It's too good to be true. It really is not true. And you're, you know, when you're desperate, when you're in that place where, you know, the creditors are bearing down on you, you can't pay your house payment, you know, you're using your credit card to get groceries, you're doing, and you're just in bad shape, and all of a sudden somebody comes along with this get-rich-quick scheme or idea, and you, you jump into it. You see, people often get in debt because they live in this fantasy world. We're always fantasizing, we're always dreaming, we're always thinking of how we can strike it rich, you know, and we're just waiting for our ship to come in. And there ain't any ship even out there. You know, we're, we're looking so we can fix up our finances rather than just getting a serious job and plotting toward wealth. The Bible says plotting, day in, day out, plotting, plotting toward prosperity, little by little. You know, very few people strike it rich. But you can make and live well by just plotting, just plotting along. Ecclesiastes 5, 7 says, dreaming instead of doing is foolishness. You know, people, I mean, it just amazes me how people will take hard-earned money and they'll line up at 7-Eleven, which I'm just trying to get a cup of coffee, and I got to wait for all these people that think that they're going to win the lottery. And you know, I was, I, was, I was reading this week where you're more likely, we're more likely to get hit, hit in the head by a meteorite than we are to win the lottery. But we'll drop money in that, you know, in that lottery and think that somehow we're going to get rich. For some of you, maybe this list has hit you right between the eyes and you, and you realize that you need a financial fixer-upper. You know, and, and if so, uh, I have a seven-step plan for a financial fixer-upper. Now, uh, they're not all mine. Uh, Crown Ministries, I've found some things there and I, had, I was inspired for some things, but, um, you know, and they're from the Bible. It's a seven-step plan. Uh, the first one is make a commitment today. Make a commitment to yourself and to God today that you're going to get out of debt. I mean, make it right now. I mean, if your heart's going, pow, 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 don't wait till tomorrow. You make a commitment today. You say, God, you say to yourself, you know what? I'm in debt. We're in trouble in our family. And if we don't, it's affecting our marriage. It's affecting our children. It's affecting our lifestyle. It's, expecting, it's, it's, um, it's messing up our, our spiritual lives. It's affecting our spiritual lives. And, and, and you have to make a commitment today to get out of debt. Because when you walk out of here, you know, like most Sundays, when you walk out of here, you don't even remember what I preached on Monday. And so I'm saying to you right now, in your seat, if you're in debt, make a financial commitment uh, today to get out of debt. Not tomorrow, not next week, not next month. Commit today that you're going to be debt free. And if you have courage enough that you'll take these seven steps and you'll apply them to your life and you'll plod day in and day out, you'll do the right thing financially, that you'll make a commitment with God's help, you do your part, God does his part, that you're going to get out of debt. Psalms 37 says, the wicked borrow and do not repay. And God says in, that, in the word, if I don't pay my debts, it's wicked. 
I mean, not just wrong or okay or socially acceptable. The Bible says it's wicked not to repay your debts. God says when you make a promise, keep it. When you sign on the dotted line at, your, at the restaurant or at the department store that you're going to pay that credit card bill then, and you make a commitment to the credit card company or whoever, the first, whoever, keep that commitment, that promise. When you make a financial vow or financial promise to pay something, God expects us to pay it. It's easier to get in debt than it is to get out of debt. You have to make a commitment to get out of debt. Next, examine your motives. Examine your motives for spending. Now, the Bible says people may be pure in their own eyes. You know, we, you think our motives are pure. But the Lord examines our motives. And that, he knows our motives, not just financially, but in all areas of our life. That's a little bit uh, scary, maybe. But examine your motives by asking yourself, why am I spending? Why am I spending so much money? Why am I spending more than I'm making? I mean, maybe you're spending to take away some emotional pain. You know, I just recently discovered by reading Gay's book and, and applying that to my life that I have, some, uh, I have ways of medicating my pain. I have ways of doing that. And, and some of the things that we do, one of the things that we do to medicate our pain Instead of surrendering that to God and allowing God to cleanse us by the blood of Jesus Christ and heal us, we'll medicate it. And some people medicate their pain by spending. Ask yourself, do I spend when I feel discouraged? I mean, when I'm just discouraged, do I, I say, man, I'm going to go shopping. That'll make me feel better. Or I'm going to go eat a buffet. And spend big money. I'm going to go to Captain George and spend $39 on it and eat all the crab legs I could eat. I mean, they bring them out in wheelbarrows. <laughs> but, you know, uh, maybe, maybe ask yourself, do I spend when I'm sad and lonely? Do I, when I'm lonely or when I'm angry? You see, the dangerous thing about spending is it makes you feel good. But it's only a short-term fix. The problem that, uh, is this, that this is a temporary feeling, and spending may make you feel better, but it will never heal that broken place in your life. It will never heal that place that only God can heal in us. And as long as we spend, instead of digging in and saying, God, heal this place in me, that makes me have this sense that I need to run and spend money so that I feel better. It, it, it'll never rid your life of pain that you're experiencing, but here's what I'll tell you. It will eventually wreck your finances. When you know what prompts you to spend, it will help you to know where to focus on your life, to know where you need God's help, where you and God need to come together and you confess and you admit and you say, God, I just, the other day, I stood at our kitchen bar, and not the bar you think about, it's this thing. I stood there and I confessed to God that I'm using this to heal and make me feel better, this broken place in me that only God can dig in and heal in me. Now I'm getting intense. Oh, so let's have a written plan. 
Next, have a written plan. The Bible says it's stupid to decide before knowing the facts, so write it down. A written plan is absolutely necessary for a financial fixer-upper. All these couples on this show have a plan. They have a written plan. They know their priorities. They know what they want to spend on, how much they got to spend, and that's what they do. Use a written plan of all the things you spend and then put them in the order of importance. You know, there's a difference between needs and wants and desires. Let's look at the difference between a, a need, a want, and a desire. First one, let's look at is needs. Now, needs are these purchases necessary to provide your basic requirements that we spoke of earlier. Food, clothing, a job, medical coverage, you know, home. We, those are necessary things. Those are things that we have to buy. The Bible says if we have food and covering, with these we shall be content. And that's the problem in America today. We're not content. You know, I, I, iPhone just came out with a iPhone 10, and it's $1,000 or something, and this old iPhone 7, is, I'm no longer, I am, but, you know, we're no longer content with that, so I've got to get that iPhone 10 or whatever the next thing is because I'm not content with what I already have. I'm not content with this house, so I'll go get another house, bigger and better, better neighborhood. And the Bible says we need to be content once. Once involves choices about the quality of things to be used. You know, do we buy uh, multi-purpose clothes that we can use for all around, for work and for going out to dinner? Uh, uh, you know, um, dress clothes maybe all around. Steak versus hamburger. You know, we may have to eat hamburger or hot dogs or whatever. Or maybe a new car versus a used car. You know, maybe you want a Chevrolet, but you got to settle for a Ford. I mean... That's just right the way it is, Eddie. And anyway, while you're putting a plan in place to become debt-free, you got to make some decisions, some drastic decisions in the area of spending. You know, you got to decide that you don't need the name brand, that maybe, maybe you could just get an off-brand. You know, like I went to the grocery store the other day, and there's Bounty Paper Towels, six rolls, $10.99, something. Then there's Weiss, $6.99. Now, why in the world would I buy Bounty for $10.99 when I can buy Weiss for $6.99? That's what the culture tells us. That's exactly why we buy it. That's why I have Kim sit there every week. Because the culture tells us that bounty is the quicker picker-upper. And if you use Weiss, you're going to have to wipe twice. I mean, not. <laughs> I don't use paper towels for that. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> because the culture tells us. I, my eyes are going everywhere. I got to get, <laughs> get back to this. Desires. Okay. <laughs> Woo. These choices, these are choices according to God's plan that you can be, that can be made only out of surplus funds. When we have desires, when we have extra money, that's when we can buy something that we desire. You know, it, it, um, their spending uh, plan, there's a spending plan I got right here. Oh, sorry, I'm a little discombobulated now at the white thing. Uh, but on the back of your notes, there's a spending plan. Uh, that you can go and put together a spending plan, that you can write it down. It's from Crown Financial, or you can go on their website and probably do it right there online. Uh, 
The next thing is uh, think before buying. You see, a person who's in debt, even though uh, those who are not, we need to think before we buy something. Do I really need that? Do we really need that? I mean, I got a whole closet full of clothes. Do I really need another shirt? You know, I, I, uh, I was looking on Facebook the other day, and I, again, I don't know why I say this stuff, but I was looking on Facebook. I had this green striped shirt on, and it was, I had a memory from seven years ago, and I, had that, and I looked down and I had that same shirt on, seven years. <laughs> and I said, man, I got to check out what brand that is <laughs> and buy more of those. But anyway, see, y'all didn't need to know that. Proverbs says, by wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. Every purchase we get, we need, we have to give it some thought. Is it a necessity? Do I really need it? Or is it a want or desire? You know, maybe we'll have to decide to get rid of some of those magazines that we get in the mail, or maybe have to not get Netflix, or, or maybe, just maybe, we could get by with just a basic cable. Instead of the $249 Fiat, Fiat Fios, maybe we could get by with, uh, you know, whatever, $89 basic plan. You know, it never ceases to amaze me. We have a lot of people that stop by Salem Fields. I'm sitting there enjoying the Duke game yesterday, and somebody comes in and wants money, and I had to get up. Anyway, the Duke-Virginia game, I was enjoying the Virginia game, actually. But anyway, that's just, I got up and helped her. But what I'm saying is, <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, I'm a compassionate guy when the game is not on. No, what, <laughs> what I'm really trying to say <laughs> is that people come in here all the time, and they want money, and, you know, we try to help people. But we have this form that you have to fill out. It's more complicated than a government form, I can promise you. And it asks you everything. It lists your expenditures. And for the life of me, people can't pay their electric bill, but they can pay $240 for a cable bill, or they can pay $200 a month for cigarettes, or they can, you know, have a cell phone plan that's $220, but they can't put food on the table. And I came for the life of me think, why in the world, if you can't pay your bills, that you would have to have all that stuff? And it makes it hard to help people when they have all that. And there's people out there with real needs that don't have all that stuff. And most people do have all that stuff, believe me. I can show you the forms. But anyway, that's another thing. I don't want to get on that rant. So... Maybe you can turn your satellite radio off. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> Maybe you should, if you have credit cards and you can't use them right, just cut them up. Quit using them. Cut them up. Send them back to the company. And tell them don't send you any more. Seriously, if you're in debt, you have to commit yourself to buying with cash. If you're over your head in debt, you have to pay with cash and you will... And to do that, you'll have to sacrifice the wants and desires to get out of debt. That's why a commitment to yourself and to God to get out of debt is the first step in your financial fixer-up. Next, start saving. Everyone, goodness sakes, three minutes. Everyone should practice saving money on a regular basis. And the younger you start saving, the better. And this includes those in debt. Have you ever heard of the 10-10-80 principle? You ever heard of that? Anybody ever heard of the 10-10-80 principle? That's tithe 10%, save 10%, and live on 
Now, I found this example from Rick Warren. I don't know how old it is, so I don't know how current the kind of the investment rates are, but let's say you're 25 years old and you make $15,000 a year. For the next 20 years, all you make is $15,000 a year, and if you stuck to the 10-10-80 plan, by the age of 45 and 20 years, you will have given, given $30,000 to the Lord. Now, think of that. That's more than some people give in a lifetime. 30, some, you know, anyway, I'm not going there, uh, for the Lord's work. And at the same time, just an example, this may be high, but you make an investment at 10% and you would have made $85,913 in the savings if you saved 10%. So in 20 years, you would have given $30,000 to reach people and $85,000 in your investment fund. Let's say you're 35 years old and you use the 10-10-80 principle and you make $30,000 a year for the next 20 years. It says by the age of 55, you would have given $60,000 to reach people around the world. $60,000. Your investment would have grown to 171,000 by just following the 10-10-80 principle. Let's say you're 40 and you decide you're gonna use the 10-10-80 principle and your family income is $60,000. Now in the next 20 years, by the time you're 60, you would have given $120,000 to the kingdom of God. And you would still have $343,000 set aside in investments. That's amazing to me. You know, it takes discipline, though. If you're going to live by the 10, 10, 80 uh, 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 principles, it takes discipline. It takes discipline to get out of debt. <coughs> That's why you need to make a commitment to God. Finally, and I'm sure everyone... And debt is waiting to hear this. Start tithing. Quiet. <laughs> that means right off the bat. I mean, if you make the commitment today and you get paid tomorrow, the first thing you do, the first thing you do before you pay anything else, it happens in my house every two weeks, we get paid the first thing, well, it comes out of our check. And believe me, Howard doesn't give you check time to hardly get in the bank and it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm glad for that. But anyway, that's the first thing we do. And if you want to get out of debt and you want to follow God's plan, if you believe in his word, then it means the first check you get, you, you write the first 10% goes back to God. That's tithing. The first 10% goes back to God. Now, I got to tell you, in my mind, when I read the Bible and I get to Old and New Testament, I can tell you this, I believe tithing is not optional for a Christian. It's not an option. If you say to me that you're sold out to God, people tell me all the time that I'm t my life is totally committed to God. I've, I've committed my life to God, and we tip him every week. We give him a little tip every week. I do not believe that you're totally committed to God. I do not believe your whole life is committed to God. And if you want your whole life committed to God, God has to have, be first in every area of your life. That's what I believe. That's what I've lived by for the last 40 years of my life is believing that when I tithe, I'm saying to God that you have first place in my life. I can't understand how people spend their lives working hard to make money and never save or never tithe, and they're the two most helpful ways that we can create wealth and get out of debt. We would not have anything without the ability that God has given us. It's a partnership. God has given us all an ability, and we use that ability and then we give back to God the first 10%, thanking him for saving us, thanking him for giving us the gifts and talents that we have, and saying, God, you're first place in my life. 
I wouldn't have anything without God. I realize that. You see, if you want to get out of debt, you have to tithe. I, I know what you're thinking. I can't afford to tithe. And I say, you can't afford not to tithe. If you want God's blessing on your finance, you have to do it God's way. I, I just believe that. The Bible says that the purpose of tithing is to teach us to put him first place in our lives. I said that earlier. But so when you get that check before anyone else gets paid, the first 10% goes back to God. I got to tell you, anyway, I love you, but I have to tell you this. It's stupid not to tithe. I mean, I, I really just think it's stupid. In Kiesel Town, that's what we'd say. If somebody would say, you know, if, if, if somebody would say, if you bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, the storehouse is the church. And you say, well, why do I have to give my money to the church? Well, you don't have to give it to this church. You just have to give it to God's work, the church. The church, not parachurch, the church. That's the tithe. You can give as many offerings as you want, but the tithe comes to the storehouse. Why does it come to the storehouse? Why does the church need my tithe? So that we're not sitting in the dark today. So that you can sit on those chairs, so that we can have the amplification on the screen, so that we can have toilet paper in the bathroom, so that we can have water, so that you can, your children can be in student ministries with one of the best student pastors around, that they can be over in children's ministry with one of the best children's pastors in the world, that, they, that we have this beautiful building that people come to, you can invite your friends to, they give their life to Christ. And people say, think somehow that, that it's wrong to expect people to give to the church. I used to be shy about that. I used to be, oh, you got to give. Scared to death. I mean, I really did. I am no longer scared of that. Because number one, I believe that, I believe the scripture. Bring the whole tithe of the storehouse so there may be food in my house. So you, and then he says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. Listen to this. I would throw out the floodgates, open up, open the floodgates of heaven. You ever seen the floodgates open in a river? And pour out so much blessing that there is no room, there will not be room enough to store it. And I got to tell you, that is my life right there. I have been blessed so much. I don't have room to store all the blessings. And I'm not just talking about finances, although we have, God takes care of all of our financial needs. But I can tell you, my life is blessed beyond what I ever could imagine in my whole life. And I am so thankful that a pastor, after Gay and I had been saved two weeks, said, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you'll tithe. And I said, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, and I'll tithe because my life is blessed. I can tell you, I have an incredible wife. I have incredible children. I have incredible grandchildren. My parents have lived a long time. I got everything. I mean, I just got a church that I love to serve in. I mean, I watch my daughter serve. My son-in-law's pastoring a church. My kids help in children's ministries. They've served. They love Jesus. What more could a man want? I am blessed. God has thrown open the floodgates of heaven and poured out so much blessing on me. I don't know what to do with it all. And it's stupid not to experience God's blessing. If you're not tithing and God says he will pour out so much blessing on you that you won't have enough room to store it, you either think God, you either think God lies or you're just unwilling to obey or you want to handle your finances on your own. Because I believe when we don't tithe, God says finances are on you. Finance on you, you handle it. If that's the case, you're on your own. And to me, that's dumb. God says, do it your way. I think God says, okay, do it your way, and I'll just keep all these blessings I had for you. I'll keep them up here in heaven. 
I'm not going to open the floodgates. A few years ago, we started what we call a 90-day tithe challenge. We do this twice a year. And what we do is give you an opportunity to test God because it says test me. And so maybe this should be called the 90-day test challenge. Now, you have those in your program. And even if you're not going to use it, will you take it out? Just take it out of your program? Because I don't know why that always helps me. Uh, but anyway, if you don't have one, there's an usher back there that has one. If you don't have a pen, uh, there's pens. You need a pen or, or a... Uh, or a card, will you raise your hand and they'll bring it to you. Right there in the middle. Yes. Is there another one? Can we have another one here? No, no, no. <laughs> Anybody need a card? Okay. The card says, in my desire to honor God and as a step of faith in my financial fixer-upper plan, I'm accepting the Salem Fields 90-Day Tithe Challenge. I agree from this date below, my household will contribute to God through Salem Fields a tithe equal to 10% of your income. Okay, you say, uh, if you don't want it to be Salem Fields, put in there, Something else, uh, some other church. Uh, but make sure they do as much with the kingdom of God that Salem Fields does when you do it. At the end of the 90-day period, if I do not believe that God will bless my life as a result of my obedience to Malachi 3.10 test challenge, then I can request a refund of the full amount of contributions made during that 90-day period. I understand that I will receive my refund within 30 days of a written notice because we'll probably have to get a loan. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, so you put your name on that, sign it, and put your email on that, the date you're going to start, and then there will be ushers at the kind of at the end of the aisles when uh, uh, it's all said and done. You can just drop it in there. But take time. You can even do this while I'm talking. It doesn't matter, okay? But I believe that if you'll do this and you'll test God, you'll find that God is faithful. And you'll begin to realize blessings. Now, don't think that everything's going to be fixed in a moment. But God will begin to bless your life in ways you couldn't even imagine. So, on the show Fixer Upper, they worked hard to enjoy the big reveal and to see their vision fulfilled. It's only when the work has been completed that the fruits of their labor can be truly enjoyed. And the same goes with enjoying your financial uh, Fixer Upper. So, in closing, I mean, you're going to have to work hard. If you want to get debt-free, it takes hard work and discipline and commitment to work through those. And you're going to have to work hard. But one day, when you're debt-free and you get the big reveal and you say, wow, this is what life is like when you follow God's ways and not your ways. So in closing, let me say one more thing. There's a debt that you will never be able to repay, and that's the debt of sin. You see, we've all blown it, we've all sinned, and we've all fallen short of the glory of God, and no matter how hard you work, how much you give, how many times you come to church, how many dollars you give to the guy on the street that's homeless, <laughs> you can never pay, never pay for the penalty of sin in your life. You see, the penalty is death. And that debt you will never, ever, ever be able to repay on your own. So God assumed your debt. In other words, he took your debt, my debt, by sending his son Jesus Christ to die on a cross. <coughs> Which Jesus died, when Jesus died, he paid for your debt. And you and I will never, ever be able to repay it. So your debt is paid in full. Thank you, Jesus. What a big deal. What a God we serve. You see, you need to get your financial plan in order, but before you do that, you need to resolve your spiritual debt. And you resolve that by simply accepting and receiving Jesus Christ, accepting his forgiveness and his grace and, and, and receiving him into your life as your personal savior. And when you do that, stamp, debt paid in full by the blood of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you today for your love and grace. 
We thank you, Jesus, that you have paid our debt in full. God, we praise you and we thank you. With all of our heads bowed and all of our eyes closed, maybe today you still have an outstanding debt with God. That you've sinned, as the Bible says, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But you've never received God's forgiveness and his grace. You've never accepted him in your life as your Savior. Well, if you'd like to do that this morning, you could pray this simple prayer. Jesus, I believe. Just pray this with me. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I, Father, please forgive me. Just say, God, please forgive me for my sins. And then you just invite Jesus in your life to be your Savior. Jesus, I invite you in my life to be my Savior. I accept your love. I accept your grace. Then you say, thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Now, with all of our heads bowed and all of our eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer, will you just, with all of our heads bowed and all of our eyes closed, will you just make witness to God and to Gay and I? This is for you, not us. But you saying to God, God, I believe that you've heard my prayer and I believe that you have forgiven me. With all of our heads bowed and all of our eyes closed, would you just slip up your hand if that's you, if you prayed that prayer today? God bless you. God bless you. All over the auditorium, God bless you. Now, if you prayed that prayer, I want to invite you to go out to the table at the end of the service there that says accepted Christ and talk to one of the pastors there. We have a gift for you and just a little help for you as you begin this journey with Christ. Maybe you're here today and you say, buddy, my family, we're in debt, we're in trouble. And I'm making a commitment to myself today and to God today that I'm going to get out of debt. I'm going to live my life the way God wants me to live my life. Would you and Gay pray for me? If that's you, will you just slip up your hand and say, yep, that's me. Yeah, I see your hand. Yes, hands all over. Just put it up, you put it right back down. That's the first step to saying, God, I'm committed to getting out of debt. And you've made the right step. Anybody else? Last time, we're going to pray for you. Just put your hand up, put it right back down. Yep, I see your hand. Put it right back down. Gay, you want to pray? Father, we thank you for the commitments that are made here this morning. That is evidence that you are alive and well in this place. And so, Father, for those uh, that have accepted Jesus, best decision, best foundation we could ever have. I pray, Lord, that you will encourage them, give them a sense of your presence, that they have been forgiven, a brand new creation. And for those, Lord, that have said, I want to put my stake down, I today want to leave here with a commitment that will get me out of debt, Lord, and that begins by faithfulness to you, by putting you first in our finances. God, I thank you and I praise you for how you have honored and blessed Buddy and I mm, by putting Jesus. you first, not only in our finances, but in our lives. And so, Father, you are alive and well. We've seen it here today. Give us the strength to live out this life in our everyday life. And, Father, may we see evidence of you every day and have encounters with you every day. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
Let's stand together and worship. If you've accepted the tithe challenge, drop your card in the boxes or the buckets at the end. If you accepted Christ, stop at the table.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you've done here today. We give you all the glory, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now go show the world that he is alive.